the name of God the Father and of the Son. We're going to be talking this morning primarily about the epistle from the book of St. Paul's letter to the Romans. Martin Luther says about the letter to the Romans that it is the purest Christian gospel such that a Christian person should know it off by heart. And St. Paul says, uh, he's speaking to, to the church in Rome, he says, if you confess with your heart, if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart, that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, you will be saved. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So we need to understand what's being, what's being said here. What is being said here is not... If you believe the right thing in the right way, God will give you a reward. Or if you believe something that's really hard to believe or believe something that's really uh, exotic, um, then that's, uh, that's what you have to do in order to be saved. Then you've done it. Okay, you're good now. That's, that's not what's being said here. There's a big context here. He's, he's, the, the Roman church is made up of Jewish Christians and, and, and Greek and Gentile Christians and, and uh, um, He's, he's trying to help them understand that there's one way that they come to the new life with God and with each other that begins now and that the grave cannot hold, and that is by the sheer mercy, grace, and bounteous goodness of God, which has been manifested in the death and the resurrection of the Lord. It's not about... Uh, fundamentally, there are ideas, there are concepts, there are doctrines in the Christian faith, the Christian faith is not fundamentally about uh, submission to some doctrinal schema. It is about coming under a cataract of power. So, uh, how can we think about this? One of the one of the one of the the, the great um, revolutions in cosmology and the understanding of the physical universe is this this idea called the Big Bang. You're familiar with this, right? You know that that one of the original uh, promulgators of that theory of the Big Bang, that everything that we see, everything, this, in, this incredible universe, with all of its, with all of its uh, beauty, with all of its complexity, and with its um, marvelous laws of strange beauty, which we're only now beginning to understand, that all of it bursts forth from this one instant. This explosion of energy at the beginning of all things. And when that, when that uh, idea was first promulgated, because it wasn't the, uh, an idea that many scientists at the time had early in the 20th century, was first promulgated, uh, many of the cosmologists didn't like it very much because it sounded too much like God might be, have been involved in the whole thing. And, uh, and also, one of the people that did the earliest research was a Jesuit priest, and well, that couldn't have any, put anything good to come out of Nazareth, you know, so. But this is, this is widely accepted now. That, that everything that we see in the physical universe, in all these marvelous powers of, the, of gravity and the weak force and the strong force and, and the dark matter and things were just, we're at the early stages of pondering the immensity of this incredible surge of power that set the, the planets, the galaxies, the universe in motion. All from one explosion of energy. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is just such a thing. 
In the beginning, God created everything that is with an explosion of energy. And in the death and the resurrection of the Lord, he's recreating everything that is with an explosion of energy. One of the things that we have to understand about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and, the, and I was reading a commentator, he said, a fair way of summarizing the teaching of St. Paul is to say the gospel of the resurrection. So one of the things we have to understand about the resurrection is, is that the death and the resurrection are Passover. God led the Jews of old out of slavery in Egypt. He led them from freedom. From from slavery into freedom, he led them from the kingdom of death into the kingdom of life. They passed over. And we have a Passover, a new Passover, in Jesus Christ the Lord. And his Passover is accomplished by his whole life. But it, it, it culminates in his death and resurrection. And we're now beginning the 40 days of deep contemplation upon this central mystery of our salvation. And the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ are one thing. I taught um, in a children's program for some years called Godly Play, based on the work of Maria Montessori. And a feature of that, working with the religious life of children, was were beautiful, beautiful materials. You know, in, in much the same way as this cathedral is a beautiful material that materializes the saving gospel of the sacrificial love of God for us made known in Jesus Christ the Lord. We had beautiful materials in the classroom. And for Holy Week, we had one of the materials we had was an icon. And it was a very, very beautiful depiction of the risen Christ with the bread and the chalice in his hand. The risen one, the crucified and risen one offering us the new life of the resurrection in the bread and the wine of the Eucharist. And then on the other side was the crucified Christ. And we used to say to the children, whenever you see the risen one, the crucified one is here. Whenever you see the crucified one, the risen one is here. And then we would put the icon on its side and, and, and you know what you do, you can't take this apart. So we're now entering into 40 days of deep contemplation upon this mystery of the death and resurrection of the Lord, which are this one thing, which is this big bang of love by which the God of heaven and earth is making all things new. Think of the, think of the power that flows from those events in Jerusalem over 2,000 years ago. What is the kind of power that turns these frightened fishermen? Think of Peter. On the night in which he's betrayed, Peter says, I never knew him. What changes a man like that into one of these people who is described in the book of Acts as these people who have turned the world upside down have come here also? Think of the think of the think of the power that could sustain the daunting missionary activity of St. Paul. Here is sophisticated cosmopolitan, erudite Paul. He's in the marketplace in Athens. He's trying to talk about the resurrection, and they're laughing him to scorn. And yet he persists. And without his persistence, we would not be here today. What is this power? 
What is the power that gathers those early house churches at the very beginning of the uh, of, of, of the Christian movement? Often they were often they were in the homes of wealthy people, and there, as brothers and sisters, were men and women, were Jews and Greeks. You'd never find this anywhere. Men and women, Jews and Greeks. More shocking still, slaves and free. What is the power that could, could, could break down and rearrange the entrenched structures of society in such a way? Father John Baer, who is a very famous um, Orthodox, he's a, he's a um, Russian Orthodox priest um, and a great, great scholar, uh, he often talks uh, and teaches about uh, Blandina. Blandina was one of the first martyrs. She was martyred in North Africa, one of the first martyrs that we have a record of. She was a teenage slave girl. What is the power that makes a teenage slave girl uh, more exalted and more worthy of honor and reverence and emulation than the emperor? That she dies in the arena for her faith and dies praying for her persecutors and dies encouraging those that have been condemned with her and dies in such a way that even stony Roman hearts are cracked. And so this power of the resurrection is the power of the martyrs who become the seeds of the church. You know why uh, church doors are often painted red is because of the, the, blood of the, the blood of the martyrs. What is this? What is, what is, what is this power that raises up the great cathedral? What is the power that, that, that draws people together into the great monastic communities that preserved all the learning of the ancient world and were islands of sanity in a world gone mad? What is this power that generates this music that we bathe here in the cathedral week after week? And all these great buildings all over the world have been raised up in his name. And think of the saints... Think of the saints. Pick one. Gregory, the Roman bishop, saved the city from famine uh, when everybody was losing their head. Give us one of the first books of psychology that we had. We're still singing his chants, Gregorian chants, and he tells his friend Augustine to go to England and revive the church. And here we are, an echo of uh, 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 what, what a... Uh, a side current of that great current of love that's flowing through the world, regenerating, recreating, making new all things. Think of uh, Mother Teresa of Calcutta. What's the power that produces a life like that? In the story of Maximi Maximilian Kolbe, the, the great saint of Auschwitz. Not too long ago, we had the celebration of Yanni Luam. Yanni Luam was the uh, Archbishop of the Anglican Church, Church of Uganda, the continuation of the Anglican Church in Uganda. And he called out Idi Amin and was killed. What is, what is this power that causes people to be willing to die for the truth they know and the life they've discovered? The, the Christian faith is many things. It's a beautiful intellectual system. It's entirely rationally coherent. 
Uh, it has uh, great uh, thinking. It, uh, it, 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 it calls us to great deeds. But at its very heart is this explosion of love, of sacrificial, searching, seeking love that comes to us in Jesus Christ the Lord. St. Paul is saying in this letter that we have in front of us today, he's just been saying to the the Roman church that he's been talking to, how is it that you get this love? Uh, How is it that you come in contact with this recreating, regenerating word? Is it uh, that you have to ascend to heaven by some fantastic spiritual discipline or go down into the depths? He says the word is near you. It's the word that we've been preaching. And what has he been preaching? He's been telling them about Jesus Christ, crucified and risen from the dead. And, uh, and they, have, they have believed in their hearts and they've confessed with their lips. And so this current of power and love has touched them in some way. And they've trusted in it and they've believed in it. Have they believed in it perfectly? No. Nobody ever believed perfectly except that one who was crucified outside the city walls in Jerusalem. Have they trusted in it perfectly? No. But they've trusted in it enough that they've been able to confess that Jesus is the Lord. I struggle with sin. Maybe I'm the only one here. Sin is not the Lord of my life. tremble at the thought of death. But death is not the Lord of my life. St. Paul says, death hath no dominion over me. I love the good things of this world, but they are not the Lord of my life. The Lord of my life is the one who tramples down death by death, who St. Paul says in his letter to Timothy, abolishes death and brings life and light and immortality to light. The, the great thing is, is to come in under this cataract of powerful, regenerating, resurrecting love. Love that uh, vanquishes the evil that's in our hearts that is in, and that is in the world and that raises us to life, eternal life, a new life with God and each other that begins now and which the grave cannot hold. The great thing is to come in under that great cataract of powerful, regenerating, explosive, the, the, the big bang of love, which is the death and resurrection of the Lord. Now, there are many, many things that pull us away, that, that pull us out from under this, this, this torrent of, of, uh, of energy and love. And the purpose of Lent is that we would become more conscious of what pulls us away. And just ever so much slightly more able to open the doors of our hearts. That however imperfectly we might believe, We might trust 
that this love and power of life, which is in the death and resurrection of the Lord, which is um, continuous amongst us in the gift of the Holy Spirit, which hides under ordinary things like bread and wine and in the face of our brothers and sisters, that somehow just we might open our hearts some little crack more to that. And when he rises from the grave on Easter Sunday morning, uh, sing Alleluia and hymns of praise to him who died and rose again, that we might have life and that eternally. In the name of God the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.